all about phrase etymology and why we say the things that we say. I'm Milo. And I'm Dave. He's my dad. And she is my lovely daughter. Aw, thanks. That's how that works. Yeah. That you're lovely? Well, sure. Sure. Because you're lovely and I'm descended from you. So we'll go with that. Okay. We'll go with that. (laughs) Father. Yes. Foraging season is ending. Foraging. Do you have all your nuts and berries? Well, it's funny you say that. Yeah. Uh, so this comes out end of November, yeah. so it might get a little bit snowy. You can mm. still forage in the winter, but there's less to get. It's harder. Summer's abundance has passed, and it's right at the end of nut season. Yes. Yes. I like. Uh, do you like nuts? I I do like nuts. Are there nuts um, you don't like? Um, I don't love like pecans. They're kind of filmy and weird. I like them on the turtle sundae, but otherwise I don't want them. Yeah, that's fair. I don't know. Don't don't love them. Don't love walnuts. No, no, no. But something I was really hoping for this year, I was really wanting to find acorns. Yes. Because I wanted to make acorn flour very badly. Yeah, I don't understand why, but... Because it's weird. (laughs) It's a weird thing to do, and it's a thing that I can feed to people, which is something I enjoy. It is. That's the two things I enjoy, baking things and making people eat them and being weird. Yeah. (laughs) Those are three things. Uh, But I didn't get any acorns this season, which kind of drove me nuts. Uh... Uh, Yeah, it was was about the phrase going nuts, and I thought of it because I'm very annoyed I didn't get any acorns. That drove what you chose for your topic. It did, because I'm mad about, I live in a very woodsy like state. It used to be a forest, the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. I didn't get a single good acorn. I'm so sorry. It's okay. You should have went out together and collected acorns yeah, with a basket. I've got a whole, I have like a bag, a specific foraging bag, and yeah. You have a specific but, foraging bag. Yes, it was a gift for where a birthday. Where did you get a foraging bag? I don't know where they found it. They just gave it to me, and it's, oh. it's, it's a nice bag. Okay. But yeah, so quiz for you. Are acorns nuts? No. They are nuts. Dang it. <laughs> Sorry. I just had to pop that little quiz that so in there. so quick. I but... just wanted the fast response. <laughs> yeah. So sadly, no acorns. But out of my sadness, you get a fun episode about the phrase going nuts. Oh. Is this something you know the root of? No, I do not. I uh, certainly know what it's used for. It's right. tied to, you know, mental um, insanity or people who are losing it or whatever right. you want to say. Or just so it's kind of got a range, right? So it can be just irritation. So if, if you have a toddler and they're really acting up, you're like, oh my gosh, they're driving me nuts. You know, that's, that's a really interesting one. I never even would have thought of that actually. Oh, really? In terms of just like irritation? Yeah. It's like, that doesn't. there's no correlation there. Okay. Like, there's not an obvious... Right. It, it's a pretty opaque idiom. Yes. Because why would nuts be irritation or... Insanity. Yeah. Like what's what's that? Because we even say that like, oh my gosh, he's nuts. Yeah. And that's 
the more insanity side of things, right? Everyone knows what you're talking about. Right, Everyone's exactly. like, what do you it's mean? A very common is word he for carrying that. a pocket full of walnuts? You're like, no, he's, <laughs> what is wrong with you? Is that what they say? It is, uh, frequently. Um, or like, oh, that guy's nutty, or he's a nutter. We don't hear that one as much anymore. Nor but, should we. How I mean, nutter, that's been around for a long time. What about a nutter butter? Do you like those cookies? Oh, those are the good. Would, I you like know they have them dip, dipped in chocolate now? They sell those? Amazing. Okay, sorry. I know what I'm doing after this. You're welcome. So, so weirdly, nuts in a metaphorical sense started out as a positive thing. Really? Yes. Which you'll okay. see more in a second, kind of how that would work. So in England, in the 1800s, they would say sweet as a nut, which is kind of weird. It but is. then that kind of evolved into uh, being like nuts about her. Or something along that, because it oh. was that sweetness connotation. But it's kind of weird, right? Because around that same time, we saw somebody, we saw the same thing of he's crazy about her or something that oh. those came about at the same time. So while there was this idea of nuts being this positive sweet thing, it was also associated with the crazy thing they got tied from the together. start. Yeah. So was it tied together there? Uh. Not really sure, because like sweet on her, that's the same idea as nuts for her. And, but crazy for her, too. Same exact thing. So this interchangeability is really interesting to me. Wait, wait. So I'm still stuck on the idea that they thought nuts tasted sweet. I'm not sure about that either. I um, have a family member who thinks that pineapples are spicy. She also way. thinks that it's ketchup is too spicy. It's a oh. he. Who? My, my youngest stepson thinks that pineapple's spicy. I'm concerned. <laughs> we all are, but that's okay. Well, pineapple, it, it literally eats your mouth. I'm sorry? It has, so pineapple has a, like a certain kind of acid that's similar to like our stomach acid. Oh, that's And it actually great. like starts dissolving and digesting the inside of your mouth when you eat it. What? Who, yeah. How do you so, know this? So if you eat too much pineapple, you'll notice your mouth does feel kind of tingly. Oh, oh, wow. Yeah. I have to validate him. How did you find this out? I, that's something I know. I don't know. I love pineapple. It's one of my favorite yeah, I fruits. Love, I love pineapple, too. I love it on pizza. So it's, it's, it's like a cannibal. Th I don't know. Well, it's not cannibal, but anyway. No, it's, that's but that's weird. an interesting thing, right? So maybe that's yeah. what he's referring to, that kind of like tingly feeling. That could be. But don't know. Anyway. You'll have to ask him. Okay. So. <laughs> hey, we, that's not in the notes. Pine nuts. Nope, <laughs> that's a different plant. It is. Yeah, you can't get pine nuts in Michigan, actually. Fun fact. Really? Our pine trees, the, the seeds they make are too small. Oh. So you can't really harvest them. You can really only like harvest pine nuts out uh, on the West Coast. Like the the Northwest where like, yep. Bigfoot lives and the exactly. spooky stuff? He's, he's a major forager, don't you know? I did. Don't yeah. you know? So anyway, around that time, nut was slang for heads. So you're nut. Oh, really? So you can kind oh. of, it kind of makes yeah. sense because it's like kind of roundish. It's like a shell that's protecting something that's like softer, but valuable inside. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, you're right. Yeah. It's a, it's a pretty clear correlation of nut skull. Yeah. Is that like numb skull? Nut skull? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, don't think so. Maybe. maybe. No, I think it's more like numb, literally numb because you're not so having like things happening. It's just dull. Dull skull. That would be a lot better, wouldn't I like it? That. I like yeah. a rhyme. So we also see a tough nut to crack. 
That makes sense. Around this time. Sure. Yep. It's a difficult thing to do, but there's a reward at the end. It's worth doing. Yep. So there's all this kind of metaphorical language swirling around the term nuts. Yes. Uh, and then a little bit later, it starts to evolve to kind of just be craziness. Mm. So we see this first really codified in 1908 by the fairly new at that time newspaper comic, Mutt and Jeff. Oh, sure. Have you heard of Mutt and Jeff? Absolutely. Okay. Seriously, I have. I, I, it rang a bell for me, but I didn't realize it's uh, often thought of as the first daily comic strip. Really? Mm-hmm. So we owe Calvin and Hobbes, because yeah. that's the best ever. We all of agree course. on that. Oh, for yeah, sure. Of course. But that that started with Mutt. And I know of Mutt and Jeff, yeah, but I, when I was a little boy, I'd, it was on. A, it really wasn't even around much, but you, you heard about it, right? Because well, generation it, it came out in 1907, yeah, in San Francisco. Oh, That's, really? That was its its root. So yeah, all your favorite comics you can trace right on back to Mutt and Jeff. Thanks, Mutt and Jeff. Uh huh. Slightly fun off jet from that too. While I was looking at Mutt and Jeff, just poking around it, uh, there's a Cockney rhyming slam. For Mutt and Jeff. What? Huh? what? Yeah. Really? But so, oh, that, just listeners, that goes back a few episodes. Yes. So we've talked about like can't and like different types of obscuring language before. And one of them is Cockney rhyming slang, where you kind of use these rhymes to obscure what you're talking about. So Mutt and Jeff was shortened to mutton, which meant deaf. Oh, wow. So, Mutt and Jeff rhymes with death, and then they took it one step away by saying mutton, and that meant death. So, I don't know. That was kind of a fun little added Did you, layer. uh, I had to look up the, uh, the, did you, did you look up who wrote Mutt and Jeff? I did, but I didn't write it down. Bud, Bud Fisher. Bud Fisher. Not a great name. It's fine. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, so, in that strip, they would commonly use, like, the, oh, you're off your nut. Oh, did they? Okay. Which, that's a pretty transparent idiom, right? If yep. the nut is the head and you're kind of getting off of it, you're losing your head, you're, you're nuts. So uh, I thought that was kind of an interesting, fun way that that evolved. Yeah. Um, we also see it as sort of like this intensity. It's like difficult to understand because it's like, it's a hard nut to crack. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of different directions that this could come from. It's kind of hard to pin down this individual like thread because it feels like it could come from all these different directions, yeah. which kind of kind of thought was interesting. Yeah. Throughout the research for this, I did find one of those moments where my ears perked up. Of course. The, <laughs> so, that is, I'm going to tell you listeners, that is the best thing you can find. Yes. We'll never have one better than Carrie A Nation. Yes, Carrie A Nation wins. And from the teetotaler episode. Yes. But we Definitely love, go back to that. We love to have yes, that moment. Yes, that moment where you see the picture or you read the line and you go, now hold on. Yeah. So here's the line for that. I found an article uh, and in the article it said this. Timothy Anderson points out that many recent euphemisms for insanity have sexual connotations. Oh. The nut once described the head of a man's penis. Oh. Only later did it come to mean the head of his body and then his testicles. Screw already meant copulation by the time screwy came into usage. And various fruit-themed words, like fruit itself, connoted homosexuality before they became associated with craziness. As in, she went bananas or he's nutty as a fruitcake. Okay, okay. So I read that and I go, who the hell is Timothy Anderson? Of course you do, as you <laughs> Who's should. Who's that? Like, yeah, they just and, say it like you should know. And this is a very weird postulation. 
that yes. words for insanity have a sexual root. Yeah. And I was like, I, I, not... I want to know more about that. And yes, this is like a decent list of like, yeah, there's some connections here. Some of them are squishier than others. Yep. Um, I but I was like, okay. I don't like you use the word squishy and male testicles. I'm just going to put yeah, that together. Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, uh, that makes me uncomfortable. they are. <laughs> no, what? What? Are they? With... No. I don't have those, oh so I don't gosh. really know. What are we talking about with Aren't my they? daughter? Uh, Hold on, this is no. definitely going to get well, edited out, but like... Maybe. Anyway, let's the, not talk about the, it. The part of the testicle yeah. is not squishy. Oh, so the whole if balls aren't testicles? Squished, no, okay. there is a ball inside the scrotum, which is the sac. Oh, okay. And then there's Hi, a listener, harder... I'm queer. <laughs> I'm a lesbian. If you leave this in here, it'll be amazing. Yep, um, no, I'm a lesbian. No, I don't know how it's okay. balls it's okay. work. No, it, 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 it causes a, de- a very odd, highly uncomfortable feeling. I mean, I know that. you get hit there, yeah. of course, you know that. But they're, they're, they're fairly hard okay. inside the squishy gotcha. sack. Uh, yeah. There Interesting. You go. Okay, Thanks well, now I know. <laughs> okay, there it is. The more you so know. So, who is Timothy Anderson? <laughs> Does he have a scrotum? We don't know. Um, he actually has a very common name, which was actually kind of surprisingly easy to find him uh, for being a Timothy Anderson. He's a psychologist and a professor at Miami University. Whoa, like currently? Yep. Okay. He's, he's still in business. Nice um, but he wrote a paper in 1993 called A Hard Nut to Crack. Evolving English Metaphors for Insanity in Social Historical Context. We need to have this guy in the podcast. He seems like a cool guy. We I mean, I he he and he's got a great title for this paper. Okay. So, well, hard note to crack. Yeah. I thought that was fun. It's got it some is. wordplay in there. I like it. Uh, so, before we really get into kind of his thesis of on there, I kind of want to talk through a few of the words he talked about and then a few other ones too. So, this paper is a really exhaustive look at a bunch of different metaphorical words for madness. Mm -hmm. And then later he kind of goes into why we use all these words. So I'm going to start with just some other words like nuts that are metaphorical ways to refer to Mm -hmm. uh, what we would think of as some level of mental instability. And then we'll go into kind of more of his thesis. So ilfig is one he talks about. Um, It's old English. Say that again. Ilfig. Ilfig. I-L-F-I-G. Okay. Uh, it kind of meant frantic or mad, but literally it meant possessed by elves or the fae. Oh. So it's already kind of this like diagnostic angle, but also kind of metaphorical because people didn't, towards the later usage of it, they didn't believe that someone was literally being possessed by the fae. Good. But they, there was still that connotation, right? Yeah. The superstition. So I thought that was kind of a fun one. That wasn't one that I had heard. Mm -hmm. Um, One that I thought about right away when researching this was lunacy. Yes. And I think a lot of people know having to do with the moon. Um, It just means that your mood is fickle, like the phases of the moon, Mm -hmm. or that it's tied to that, Mm. or that you're somehow like a satanic moon worshiper or something. Or you put a hex on the moon. Yeah. So maybe something like that. Who knows? Mm. Uh, Cuckoo. Right. uh, From the bird. Mm-hmm. This is an interesting one because I saw it jumping from two different places. So cuckoos, the bird, they lay their eggs into other birds' nests. That's rude. And leave them to take care of them. Can you imagine if we did that as people? I know. Wild, right? <laughs> There's a it's baby like, hey, in the here house. Here you go. Damn the Johnsons. <laughs> Dropped off at the porch. Yeah, like the stork. But funnily enough, there's also a surfing term of cuckoo or kook, which oh, is also where that. this comes from. Okay. Which is where... 
a new surfer like copies everything another surfer or like a famous surfer does, uh-huh. they're called a kook. Oh. Um, because child cuckoos will follow the mannerisms of the birds, oh, the other oh, birds around sure. them. Because that's where, yeah, because right. they're not being so, raised by their parents. Kind of an interesting, like, they both kind of took this word and they both got kook out of it. Yeah. But it's two totally different things, of course, of kind of the craziness. Because when we call someone a kook, we think like, oh, they're kind of weird and like out there. Yeah, absolutely. Or there's kook in the surfing world. It's I different. did not. Of course, I'm not a big surfer. No, nor I. Yeah, body surf. But. <laughs> but I thought that was fun. Yeah. Um, crack is one that was uh, discussed a lot in this article. Um, okay. Cracked is in like a loud noise or like a fissure. Oh, um, yeah. Because we, we talk about somebody being cracked, right? Yeah. Not uh, a lot. And this is where we start seeing sort of this language that implies a brokenness oh. with mental issues. Um, Which is kind of a disturbing trend that we'll talk about more later of the words that we use around mental capacity and incapacity and why the words are what they are Mm -hmm. and sort of the pros and cons of that. Um, But yeah, so this one makes quite a bit of sense of like having a, if you're cracked, it's like a break from reality or something in your brain being cracked or broken right not great um no. No. hysteria is one that i thought of right away when looking at this too uh, I, don't, I don't know that one you don't know hysteria you know the word i'm so. sure well, of course yeah. Yeah, yeah i mean i don't know the correlation <laughs> so this is one that um i learned actually a long time ago through the sawbones podcast yes uh, with dr Sidney mcelroy and so hysteria was actually a medical condition mm-hmm. believed to be from very very early from like Egyptian days Mm -hmm. onwards into like the 17th century. So it was the idea that a uterus would travel around the body of the uterus haver. Uh, Okay. And that would make them act crazy. Oh. Because their uterus was just going on a tour of their entire abdomen. Sure. Because that's women be moody, whatever. (laughs) That was the general diagnosis was that's why okay. we believed this as a, as as humans for a long time so egyptian doctors would put strong smelling substances by the patient's vulvas to try to lure uh, the uterus back into place i wonder what type of smell the uterus wanted i mean i think they used like p- perfumes and um they would also put like crocodile dung like by your face and then a good smelling thing down to try to lure it downwards i don't know why they thought the uterus could smell but there we are Um, we also thought for many years that the earth was flat and we also thought for many years that the 2020 election was rigged (laughs) sorry just real post-election here i had a little election humor a day after the results so Uh, yeah anyway sorry um so later saint augustine said I'm not sure about that. It's probably because of sin. Probably because yes. women sin so much oh, uh, that their uteruses start traveling around and they're hysterical. Uh-huh. That's an yeah. interesting correlation. Yeah. Though. Which, you know, or maybe they're possessed. That would That's probably why. It also tracks. Cool. Love it. And then, of course, later on, when medicine started getting better, they're like, no, <laughs> it's not doing that. And thank God they figured that out yeah because like that was a treatment for a long time too of like oh i guess she just needs to become pregnant because then the uterus will stay put so it was kind of a way to 
get women to make more kids and have less autonomy over their bodies. Uh, also, there was a really disturbing age of medicine where the cure for hysteria was the doctor, like, masturbating what? the person to get it to come back. Oh, no. What? So the very first what? vibrator oh my was, right? <laughs> was invented for this therapy, I'm going to put in quotation marks, of a doctor getting someone's uterus back into place through stimulation. So there you go. I didn't expect to go that far into it, but there we are. Okay, there it is. Sure. Yeah, so hysteria. Now you know. (laughs) So the the hysterectomy. Yes, that's the Latin root, which means uterus. Yeah, just tying that together. Yeah. I'm sure most people got that, but no, for people slow to... like me, um, <laughs> they just throw that throw that in there. No, but that's so probably is... some, that's not a connection you made before, though. I'm sure. It's, well, what's, like... what's the Latin? What was the Latin term? Do you hister. know? It, it is hister. Mm-hmm. See, I did not know that. Yeah, or hystera. Ah, either yeah. way. But yeah, okay, that's interesting. I didn't yeah. know that. So that was one that wasn't in the article, but just I felt like throwing it in because it's got a crazy story behind it. Dude should have thrown that in. I know. Anyway. It's it's a pretty short paper. Another one that wasn't in there, but I kind of wanted to include was wacky. Oh. Just because I hadn't really thought of this one before. But it makes sense. It's the idea of somebody got whacked on the head. Oh. <laughs> so they're wacky. It's more of what they call the transparent idiot. Yes. But yes. that's kind of fun. Isn't I had never put that together. I never. So no. that's like, kind of fun. Well, like from uh, the slapstick thing in yeah. a couple episodes Similar ago. Similar idea. Where yeah. it's, it's it makes sense where it came from. He had but... a big stick he hit people with yep. in the punch and Judy. There we go. Yeah, anyway. But funny enough, Wacky, it's as new as 1935. Oh, that that's pretty recent. Yeah, that, that is recent. Not even 100 years old. 85. So back to dear Timothy. Uh, he did talk about crazy quite a bit, too. And this is where we'll get more into the idea of, like, brokenness and mm. things like that. Back in, like, the 1600s is when we first saw this word coming out. Um, it meant full of cracks. So oh, if something really? was crazy, it was shaky and liable to fall apart at any moment. Okay. And it was just a word okay. for, like, objects. So there's a quote from uh, 1612 saying, a crazy pitcher, which is unfit to hold water. Okay. So it's just this thing that's got a lot of cracks in it. But then soon afterwards, we start to see it used metaphorically for people mm. with unstable mental states. Right. So uh, this is something that started to evolve around that time where before this, it wasn't really seen as just like a differentness, but as imperfection and mm. wrongness. Uh, that somebody who wasn't thinking in the same way that everyone else was, there was something broken there. Weakness. Yes, exactly. Or some level of blame, too, seems sure, to course. be yeah. uh, inherent in that. We always want to blame. So uh, if I think back to like our period episode, where yes. we talked about the different euphemisms for menstruation, uh-huh. this is a similar thing where there's so many words for this that are metaphorical and kind of glancing sideways at a thing because as a society for a long time, we haven't been able to look head on at it. Mm. We've refused to assess and address what this thing is. And so there's all these words that kind of sidestep it and allude to it. Let me ask you, just we'll get too off track here, mm-hmm. but why why do you think that is? Why are we having a hard time looking at oh, this? Oh, we'll, we'll talk about that. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Great. No, yeah. that's actually right the next good good uh, segue. Segue. Yeah. yeah. So it's partially 
because it is uncomfortable, it's different, it's outside of, and people are made uncomfortable, mm -hmm. but it's intentionally, intentionally othering and dismissive. Uh, because yeah. if we categorize someone as this completely different type of person because they're crazy, now they're not our problem because they're not one of us. We don't have to deal with them. Yes. Or the problem. And then we know we're not them. Yeah. We and know we're not crazy because we called them crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's subtle, but it's very powerful and happens mm -hmm. all the time. And we are all prone to it. Oh, for sure. And Michel Foucault, uh, the French philosopher, wrote a book where he talked a lot about madness within society and how the two have kind of formed around each other. Mm -hmm. And he really talks about how during the Age of Reason, it's when we started putting people into insane asylums and blocking them off from the rest of society. Getting them out. And this is around the same time as the Age of Self, mm -hmm. as it's called, where people started to think less in a community-centric way and more of an individual. When was that approximately, this age, that of, was, age of reason? It's the 17th and 19th centuries. Okay. Between that time is when that development started to happen. It took a long time, of course. Yes. And there's no, it's, good it's and a bad. Slow, for sure. Yeah. It's, and we're still seeing the shift of that in identity politics and everything. That's, sure. that's something that's always evolving and always going to be. Yeah. But during this time where that was first kind of coming out... Because we were putting people who were considered mad away, locking mm -hmm. them away, mm -hmm. we were creating this false binary uh, of people in there are the insane. And actually during this time is when we first see the word sane mm -hmm. come, where now we have sanity as a concept for the first time. So That's it's it's this false binary of here's the sane and here's the insane. Michel Foucault, here's a quote from that book from 1965. Uh, the symbol of madness will henceforth be that mirror, which without reflecting anything real, will secretly offer the man who observes himself in it the dream of his own presumption. Madness deals not so much with truth and the world as with man and whatever truth about himself he is able to perceive. Wow. So it's, I mean, I always recommend reading Foucault just because he's an incredible writer. So again, later, human nature, ideally harmonious, was now in fact poised on a knife edge. So long as reason held the reins, life could be orderly and sane. But if its grip were relaxed, chaos followed. Most exceptionally, of course, someone could go out of his mind, not by sinking, but by rising above his corporeal self. Uh, so that's, I mean, it's this idea of during this time, we started to like hold tighter to this concept of sanity because we were othering these people who were seen as insane. Mm -hmm. And so everybody clutched tighter and tighter to this idea of, no, I'm normal. No, I'm sane. I know myself. I think it's interesting the the word why they put because if we took a look at the word in, mm -hmm. you know, then you know you're the in crowd. It's just it's interesting that insane breaking that up, mm -hmm. like the ones that are being insane are actually the crazy ones and the one instead of the ones well that, that, that prefix is actually flexible where it can also yeah. be a negator. It can be a what? It can be a negator. Oh, a negator. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's it's a flexible. Uh, so the word in is different than the prefix in. Right. Sure, sure, sure. But yeah. it, you, you it is it is interesting go, how there's huh. like a duality to that. Yes. To that Especially uh, with that phoneme. specific. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Mm. So I, I just thought this was really interesting, especially as we see, as we go further into this, more and more words about brokenness. So the idea of cracked mm -hmm. being a word for somebody with some level of mental instability. The thing 
Michel Foucault said about the mirror. It's this idea of insanity is self-observation and getting caught in that loop. Mm. And so it's hard to say, like, where where is yeah. insanity bringing self-observation, which brings insanity, which brings self-observation. <laughs> and there's kind of like that spiral sure, there. Sure. And it's, it's one of those things of today we can see mental abnormality. Everybody has a level of it. Like, yeah, definitely sure. there's neurotypical people who we would see as not having any like diagnosable, you know, mental difference. But most of us have something. Um, and today it's kind of an insight to yourself, to your past, to what your future can be, knowing kind of the way that your brain works. Yep. And now that we have more science behind it and everything too, it's it's a complicated thing. Freud himself commented a lot and drew that combination of the crack between sanity and insanity. I, I, I just find this history of the words that we use, why we use them. Mm-hmm. And just kind of, and, and now, I mean, some of those can definitely be like crazy is pretty pejorative now. Yeah, Like if sure. you call someone crazy, no even if that. it's like in a playful way, like that's coming more and more out of fashion. It's becoming more like a slur. Especially if you, it was used again, as you were saying earlier, so much for women. Yes. Well, you're acting crazy. And that, right. That's not going to go well now, I can tell you that. Right. No. And I mean, nor should it. No, for sure. <laughs> because. Right? Really. Well, it goes back to this idea as you were talking. I was just thinking about this. Um, and you always do such a good job with your episodes because. Uh, Thanks. And, and those of you who don't listen much, we swap um, who's presenting every yeah. other episode. Uh, but this idea of. Um, People who are resistant to getting counseling. Yeah. I, remember I lost a friendship once because I told the guy he should get th- therapy or some help. And I didn't mean it in a pejorative, insulting right. way. There's some very specific things that he needed to deal with. Right. And it was just – he took that as such an insult yes. to say, you're broken and I can see it. Right. And it's easier for him to go, I'm not broken. Like, how dare right. you? Well, and, and I think there's that stigma, right? Because it is this – so for so long, it's been seen as this binary yeah. of you're one of us or you're one of the people who gets locked away and thrown away forever. And so people are terrified. Still. Still. Yeah. And I mean, it's getting better because therapy is becoming yeah. normalized. We know But like, like your friend, like a lot of, I think, people in your generation are very, very against therapy. Oh, yeah. Because it's admitting defeat almost in a way. It's saying I yes. need help in a way that people aren't comfortable saying. We, it's just a quick aside. Um, Carol and I have been married almost four years, mm-hmm. and um, we started seeing a marriage counselor before we before we even got engaged. Yeah, um, but it's a guy we've seen off and on for for the whole whole time we've been married. But it was just a couple months ago. We hadn't seen this guy in a while, and she's like, "I think we need to see David again." And I was so mad. Okay, I was so uh, resistant mm-hmm. to that, and it really angered me. Like, we don't need to see. Why do we need to see somebody? Because, and I was like, "Whoa, wait a minute! I'm Where's a that huge, coming from? I'm a huge advocate uh-huh. of getting therapy and help, and there's absolutely nothing wrong." But she's like. We need to see. We need to talk to David again, and she did it in a very appropriate, good way. Right. It wasn't like snarky cutting. Um, <laughs> which I don't want anyone to get that thought. She was right. like, "I think we need to talk to him again." Yeah. And I was immediately defensive, right? Because there's something in us that says it's either a punishment because yeah. I've done something wrong, hundred percent, or 
there's something simmering underneath this and there's an anger or there's something inside of me that you don't like. Yeah, it's rejection. For yeah. me, it always comes a little get, uh, transparent <laughs> here. For me, it's always about rejection. Yeah. Oh, you're rejecting me. You're unhappy with me. I've failed. Mm-hmm. And that just kind of adds to that whole um, bunch of nonsense or difficulty with this. When, when you were younger, did you were you very against therapy altogether? Because I know, no. as I've known you, you no. know, as an adult, I know that you've been very pro-therapy. I, I uh, no, I was, and it's, and it gets, I use the word brokenness a lot with people, and I can mm-hmm. see where that can be a bit problematic, but it's just a way for me to go, we all have areas where we miss the mark or things aren't working the way yes. we'd hope they would. I'm stuck here, whatever terminology you want to use, mm-hmm. but I can see where that would be like a negative of broken is just this negative for me it's more like no it's just owning it right which which i i mean i respect your use of that word because i've heard you use it before you know what i'm, and, you know what I'm but i also from. know that you're coming from a, a christian perspective yes which I, i'm not but knowing your right. roots and i have roots in christianity grew up christian yes but that's such a a word of the bible of humanity having a brokenness that sure. needs Original to be sin, fixed. Original sin, a whole... Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Exactly. So I can see that coming from that. So when... I, d- I don't want people to be like, you know... I, I think it's an okay word to use within that, you know, framework. Yeah. But I knew when I was young mm-hmm. that there was some... Something off. Like there was some things that I, I, I was struggling with, especially growing up in that super uh, hyper... Christian community, yeah, there were some things going on. Like, there's something wrong. I mm-hmm. shouldn't be thinking, feeling these things. And so, from a very young age, I'm like, I have to. I'm not dealing with this well on my own. I have to talk to other people. Yeah. So, from a teenager, I'm like, no, you should talk to people about stuff that you're struggling with, because I just I didn't have any faith that I could figure it out on my own. Yeah. Which, I mean, I think is kind of remarkable that you had that realization because especially as a man, that's something that's so drilled into men in our society and boys in our society that you deal with this on your own. You don't cry. You don't express emotion. You figure out what you need to do to not show any of it. You can cry on your wedding day and when your first (laughs) child is born and that's it. Then that was fading as I was growing up. There was a um, a football player's name was Rosie Greer. And I remember this. uh, He sang the song called It's All Right to Cry. And he's this big, huge guy, football NFL player. It's all right to cry. Crying takes the sad all out of you or something like that. And it can make you feel better. And I remember that as like, had to have been like eight, nine years old okay. hearing this uh, NFL Interesting. Oh, I've never yeah. heard that song. I'm going to have to listen to that. It's not great. Okay. <laughs> uh, the lyrics are great. It's not yeah. superly well delivered. It's a little cheesy and sappy, okay. but for the 70s. But I mean, but that's an important good on him for bringing that message out. I 53 and I remember yeah. that. Hearing that in the That had 70s. an impact. Absolutely. Like something as small as that of saying like, and that's, you know, one of the areas of like representation of people being able to be open about not only their emotions but but their mental states and I'm a, I'm a trailblazer I'm a, I'm a trail, trailblazer <laughs> I'm a pioneer um, I'm an icon of mental health uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. I'm a trendsetter <laughs> uh, sure anyway sorry yeah no I mean I I have appreciated your openness about like therapy and like being able to be okay being different and the fact that it doesn't have to be this binary of like i'm so glad we don't live in a society anymore and i mean it's getting there where the second something's wrong it's 
the insanity. You cross that knife's oh, edge. It just really that Porter talked about dark of, history there, right? And the fact that we're entering into an age that's more understanding, and mm-hmm. we're realizing more and more like the number of people who are on the autistic spectrum, and the and the meaning behind that, and how it's not a bad thing, and it doesn't have to be this, you know. Yeah. So often, I mean, I don't. It's not just autism specifically, but the way that people talk about autism is crazy. Yeah. It, <laughs> of just like the fear. Yeah. Of of autism and Aspergers, and it's it's this very definitive, especially like within the anti-vax movement. Of yeah. like, yeah. of it being like sounding like a death sentence. Right. <laughs> there of autism. Oh no! Where it's like there's a very large portion of the population that is autistic and is totally like just. They're members of society. They're yeah, fine. Absolutely. There, so many people are, and in a good, a good, great word for this is spectrum. Yeah, exactly. It's not, on, it's not binary, right? It's not exactly. like you are autistic or you're not. There are not. so few binaries, y'all. Oh, well, there really are. I agree. It's, true binaries are way rarer than society would like them to. It's easier. Be. It's more complex. Of it's course. messier. If it's all, if there aren't, if there are grades and spectrums to things, right. it's just and easier. It's, to it's go, so you, easier, yeah. much easier to argue and to feel yeah. safe and feel right to and to feel right when you're on, you know, the right side because there's only two options. It's it's the it's a human desire for certainty. Yeah, and that's part of you know uh, being a believer. Uh, is just so many people are so certain, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, yeah, it, doubt you. If you're afraid and running from doubt in any regard of life, and you're like, I refuse to embrace doubt, you're gonna have mm-hmm. to, you're gonna run into problems pretty quickly. Uh, Jennifer Michael Hart. I just had to look up the name because I or Hert, H E C H T, uh, wrote a book called Doubt: A History. Oh, that's awesome! Uh, it's a great book and very well encapsulates how throughout all of time, refusing doubt completely is a bad choice. If you even read the Psalms. You know, yeah. for those of you who have any interest in, in, in the religious or anything, mm-hmm. the Psalms are full of people doubting. Yeah. You, you read the book of Job. God did not have a problem. He wasn't angry with those who were doubting. He's like, bring it. Let's talk about it. Let's mm-hmm. let's get into it. Yeah. You're not like, ah, I'm sending you to hell because you had a doubt. Right. It's super well, and, healthy. And in the Bible, Jesus had doubts and like needed to pray and ask. Well, he, he did and, not want to move forward. Like, right. is, there, is there another way? Because he felt fear and that doubt. Yeah, and like, I don't want to do this. Yeah. Yeah. So the, it's it's just an interesting thing to me, this, this need for absolute certainty and to be perceived as absolutely certain. Yeah. And, in it, order to be trusted as whatever you say you are. So you can be in and you can, and then it goes back to who has the power. Right. You know? Subtribalism. Yeah. Yeah. Are you in or are you out? I'm in. (laughs) Oh, good. With that settled. (laughs) Insane. Oh, no. In the membrane. Oh, boy. Uh. Yeah. So that's just kind of a, I mean, it's a shorter one, but I just thought it was kind of one, it's a concept I think about a lot of um, neurotypicality and uh, sort of the ableism against people who are open about having different, you know, mental states and like i have an anxiety disorder sure and i have a depression disorder as well and being in a time where people are being more open about that is such a relief (laughs) and yeah it's just an invitation to 
look closer at the words that we say. Yeah. You know, think about what they are. And I don't think all of these are like, I'm going to still say drives me nuts. Well, yeah. I, <laughs> like yeah. some of it on the vest is a little bit squishy, but like it's, yeah. But like in terms of like calling people crazy, I'm good putting that one on the shelf, but well, you make your own call. It's not helpful. Um, and if you're, I think if you're, again, if you're, you're getting, if you're in a relationship or something and it's just, it's in good fun and the other person's. But, you know, maybe it'll be a little careful and get how you don't know always how your words are impacting other people. It's not always bad to have a conversation. Absolutely. Because sometimes you realize people are reacting in a way differently than you would have expected them to. Yes. And then, again, get, just get curious about the story. Don't yes. get defensive. Exactly. It's it's Because curiosity is like the ultimate communication aid. Yeah, which is why our tagline of being be curious and stay yeah. curious. It's uh, not just about the minutia of the world it's also about other people i just got a um an email and it, it's a request that i never rap again oh the, boy uh, rappers of america <laughs> uh-huh. so please stop rhyming and don't try you're terrible at it oh wait so did just, you just rhyme did i miss that the the insane in the membrane oh yeah it got yeah. It, it got out and um they heard about uh-huh. it and they're like they, they oh did a i cease see and desist okay order. yeah that's um, that sounds fair it's amazing I, they were listening in i know i need to recording. do another bug sweep of my apartment they, they felt a disturbance in the force yeah um Anyway, I do have a question for you. Sure. Um, as we have a little bit of time, as we're this is a fairly short episode yeah. at this point. Um, I have. What do you do? You think that sometimes we try to overlabel things, mm-hmm. and you know the whole pendulum swing. Like we need to bring definition, which is great. Do you think that sometimes we can overlabel, and then that becomes problematic? Do you mean in terms of mental health specifically? Yes, I do mean it. Well. I, in anything, but it, it is more mental health in this okay. specific area. I will start broad and narrow in then. I like it. Um, so I think we are in an age of massively expanding identity shifts. For sure. Because the, there is an age of acceptance and progressivism, and it's definitely hit some hiccups. But that's of the course. direction we're going in, which is great. Yeah. Um, and with that comes all of this nuance where people want to create more and more specific things to clear out like where they belong and identify with yes exactly which is a powerful thing as a queer person finding words that that defined me when i didn't when i felt alone sure. that was huge but you're still trying to find your group of who's yes. in and who's out which, which is, is something super... that i've struggled with yeah and where i've la- landed on it and we talked about this in the first lgbtq episode yep of my Feelings. We talked briefly about my feelings about the butch femme thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The dichotomy within lesbianism that says there are masculine <laughs> and there are feminine. Yep. The and, very thing they're trying to get away from. Right. In a and way. Especially when I was first kind of starting to date women and I was still identifying as just a woman and not as uh, gender fluid, mm-hmm. I would get fe- called femme a lot yes. because I wear mm-hmm. eyeliner normally. I like sewing skirts. Like, Lipstick lesbian. Li- yes, that. I have been called that as well. Yes. And I that always brushed me the wrong way. Now, why did it anger you? I, I think partially because I felt this, I knew... That I was gender fluid, mm-hmm. and I knew that even though I was wearing eyeliner, I didn't want it to define who I could date nor who sure. I who I was. It was it just res- my aesthetic. You found it restrictive, right? Okay, and I, I, I wasn't a woman all the time because I'm gender fluid. Sure, and it just felt like 
this person looked at me, said, oh, I know what you are. I'm done. I figured it yeah, out. Sure. And Absolutely. just left it at that, where yes. I wanted somebody to actually look and get to know me know rather than just yes. So in the broad sense where I come down on labels, I am glad that they're there. Mm-hmm. I think that it's a really wonderful thing for especially young people coming into emotions that they're not used to or like trying to find where they belong. It's helpful to know that you're not alone. And language gives us really good tools with the how fast language can evolve. It's mm-hmm. a wonderful thing mm-hmm. because it makes us feel less alone. That's, the problem comes when we use it for people who don't want it. Or if you use it in a way to get make people out. Yes. And they work better because exactly. they're not in. Right. When it becomes about this tribalism of competition and... yes. Allowing ourselves to be incurious because we feel like we figured it out because of how they look mm-hmm. or because of how they talk, that's when it becomes dangerous. But self-identifying with labels, great. Helps and th- you discover. Right. And that's where, you know, I, I think narrowing back down into the mental health, I'm really, when I went to a therapist for the first time in a long time, mm-hmm. fairly recently, I started therapy again. And for a long time, I've kind of known, like, that I am a more anxious person than other people. Right. And I know that I am more depressive than most people I know. Mm-hmm. And for the longest time, I felt like, oh, I'm just, like, faking it. And, like, you know, this is just oh, this is just me. And it's just, I, I don't actually have anything wrong. This is just how I am. And I can't tell you how many times I've bumped into women in my life who are like, my wife does this. Well, I'm I'm just, it's all in my head. I'm making this up because that's what she was told. <laughs> right. Their exactly. doctors would literally tell her, there's nothing wrong with you. Yeah. And then what do you conclude? Right. That it's just something is broken within me, but not in a way that's like explicable. It's just in a way that's my fault. It's your traveling uterus. <laughs> yes. Your wandering uterus, which is a great band name. Yeah, it's sorry. really not. Okay, sorry. <laughs> but, but so that moment, going back a little bit, the, my first therapy experience. I'm I, sorry. That was I my, did interrupt you. No, no, it's totally sorry. okay. Yeah. That, was, that was a And I interrupted you to tell you that I interrupted you. <laughs> anyway. Um, but my first therapy experience, my I saw it only a few times. And... Uh, she was the first person I ever came out to. And she told me that the only reason I was feeling like I might be queer, I was 14 at the time, I think. Uh, And she said the only reason I was feeling that was because I was trying to get back at my parents for getting divorced. divorced. Uh, Which was very troubling (laughs) to me as, you know, a 14 year old who was already really struggling with this because I was religious at the time and I thought this was a sin and I didn't know why I was in love with my best friend and I felt wrong and broken already and then she told me I was faking it yeah and you said and I remember this very clearly I will never go back and see her again and you did not want to talk about why nope I wouldn't tell anyone why for a really really long time yeah because I wasn't out to you at that point I didn't feel safe being out to you at that point which you know we're past that now obviously Um, I understand that but when I so I stayed away from therapy for a really really long time. Yeah, you got burned. It's I amazing got burned you went bad. Back. I mean, Glad yes. You did. Thankfully, I have a lot of friends who are very you know therapy positive, and I have some friends who are therapists. And so eventually, I made the trek back this year. And having those first few sessions where I talked about you know just the basic of how my emotions work and everything, and the moment where she said like, "Yep, that's anxiety." 
that was really affirming. Yeah, that makes <laughs> for sense. someone to be like, "Yeah, that's a thing. We know about that." Yeah, and I recognize that as not your fault. Yeah, but something that lots of people experience. You're not alone. It's kind of like there's a song in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which they talk a lot about mental health in that show, which is. It's, it's an okay show, but like their dedication to talking about, honestly, about mental health is really incredible. Mm. And she sings this song about how she's about to get a diagnosis for the first time. Mm. And it's this very jubilant, big number oh, of wow. like joy of, I just got my diagnosis and I, I, oh, you have that too. You have that too. She's talking to the background dancers. Like, sure. I know you in a way that I don't know other people and I haven't been allowed to know other people. Yeah. And now I know you that way. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that. We is powerful. We crave connection. We do. We need to know that we're okay. And we and heal through that connection yeah, too. And we heal each other. For right? sure. And um the 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 book I've been reading for the last twenty years, it feels like it is so hard for me to get through it. The body keeps the score. Right. By Bessel van der Kolk. Um, a seven year old book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I've been reading it all year because I'm yeah. just reading it so slowly. Um people ask me what I'm reading, I'm like, Well, I'm they're like, Yeah, you told me. You know, <laughs> I'm always reading a fiction and a nonfiction yeah. book. But anyway, the the reason I bring up the, the categorization of different ailments is because what he talks about a little bit in his book is how that can be a problem because then what can happen in the medical community is, oh, we're going to label this and then we're going to medicate it. Yes. So instead of working about what the story is and why you got to this place, right. we've labeled it. Oh, you have this? We give you this medication right. and then you're going to be better. No, we're just going to dull it. Right. We're not fixing it. Exactly. We're not assessing easier. the root of it. And, and there's a profit we, we are not. We are not against medication. No, not at all. Medication not can be all. a very good and necessary thing for a Absolutely, lot of people. But. but yes, there definitely is an issue in our medical and even with my... I, I was chronically ill for many years. Yes, you were. And for so long, they just wanted to put a single name on it and call it good. And then medicate it. And then medicate it. And it a, never worked because I didn't have a disease. Because there's a profit involved too. Right. And there's a level of distrust because I have a uterus. And, and it travels. <laughs> uh, it's all over the place. It is. It's in my elbow right but, now. <laughs> My uterus is in your elbow. Yep. What? It travels. Uh, well, it I sure don't does. She sure uh, gets around. That's why I'm still um, not moody. <laughs> but yeah, the, that's that's a good point that you bring up. That I mean, that's why the DSM has been so problematic for so long too, because there's this idea of just throwing it in this big book of madness. Yeah. And yeah, being yeah, yeah. like, yep, this is where the crazies go into this book, and yep, yep whether you're trans or queer or you've got. You know, schizophrenia or like all of this was just thrown in together in one book and <laughs> doctors would just go through and be like, oh, ticking off the points and these are your things and here are your pills. They bring that up in the book too, that yeah. all that that gets brought up. So if you haven't read The Body Keeps a Score, it's not easy reading. No. It's not, you can get through it and comprehend it probably. Um, it's not dense, but boy, it's just it's heavy. It's heavy. Yeah. Anyway. Um, good thing to look into the history of the DSM too. Uh, it's yeah. it's a very problematic, racist, homophobic. Do you want to talk about say what what it, oh, the so acronym I, is I for? Uh, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. Yeah, so get there's, the acronym right. there's five of them because um, they every once in a while put out a new one. I think the most recent one came out in like ninety. Was it ninety? It's twenty thirteen. Oh, there's a new one. Yep. Oh, That's the that, DSM-5. Yeah, yeah. Yep, I knew that. But the history of the DSM is very complicated and because the history of the medical society is 
obviously complicated as we talked about here today. And it was meant to be helpful. Yes, for sure. I think think there was was positive intention for a long time, but definitely not a spirit of listening and curiosity and more of I know best and white men at the helm telling others what they should be feeling. This is my experience. And remember, (laughs) if I haven't had your experience, it's not real. Uh Uh-huh. Exactly. Yeah, not helpful. Or it's your fault because you're acting abnormally or what I see as abnormally. crazy. Yes. So... That got a little bit heavier than normal, yeah, but I figured it might. Stuff. That's the kind of stuff that my dad and I talk about every once in a while. We are both interested in psychology. Very and, much so. Uh, we are not experts, of course. But, oh, gosh, no. But I think we kept it pretty good on our own experience and our opinions. Yeah, that's, and that's where we come from. Just yep. kind of that. Not trying to uh, give any therapy for anybody, but if it's helpful, <laughs> if you have I might any, be someday. But. Well, and, and I've thought about it. But yeah. um, a friend calls me a therapist without a license. <laughs> Uh, That's what my friends called me in high school. Did they really? They all came to me for relationship advice all the time. Nice. And I had I didn't get into a relationship until I was 20 or 19, 20. But because yeah. I think I because I was dealing with all of their problems and I knew that I, I was like, nope, I don't want Why that. Why would I want problems? Also because I was queer and didn't know it. But Yeah, well, also <laughs> But yeah, all the, any, did you have a favorite part of this episode? Of course. What was it? Crocodile dung and strong smelling perfume for the wandering uterus. Yep. Thank you, Egyptian doctors. But I just don't even. Yeah. Okay. That that's probably the one that stood stood out stuck out the most. But really love the conversation of just diving into uh, the mental health because mm-hmm. that's such an important topic for that both you and I really believe in. Um, and, and you know that group, I run a little group at my church of trying to help people go back through their stories. Yeah. So I'm a big big fan, big believer in get to know your story. Don't be afraid of help. Yeah. You're not, you're, it's going to be really, really hard for you to get better by yourself. Right. You wouldn't do it with cancer. No. You wouldn't do it with a broken leg. Right. You could see someone to help. Yeah. And and if and there's if, no shame in no, needing help. No, not at all. There's no shame in that game. Go back to the pull yourself up by your bootstraps episode. You it's impossible. You, you can't, can't do, do it. it. Reach out because your story matters. It yeah. really does. So be curious about your own story. Be yeah. Look inward into your own story and into the stories of others if they're comfortable sharing with you. Yeah. Be a person to listen to and not to, you know, at every point be like, oh, but my story. Don't like, listen to respond. Yes. Listen to hear. Listen to hear because people really, really need that. Yeah. Now more than ever. Yeah, for sure. So that's my favorite part. How about yours? Yeah, I, I, um, well, first, thank you to uh, Timothy Anderson. Uh, your article was very interesting. Um, I, I was really interested in like where we started, like the nut thing <laughs> of just the yeah. number of directions that came from and went, and it's just the lines of it are so tangled, and like yeah. I don't even know where it really came from but the fact that it was such a dichotomous like good and bad and they were the same and they meant yep. the same it was just interesting to me i really like your um your phrase too talking about the sideways glances i like mm-hmm. that, that mm-hmm. I, I really enjoy the uh mental imagery of society doing that like we have to acknowledge it but as little as possible yes. and as metaphorically as possible oh it's fantastic yeah it was really good thank you yeah. that's that's 
a fun one. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, you can. There won't be really any pictures associated with this one necessarily, unless Just I can find some like old mutton Jeff or something, or some acorns. <laughs> pictures of um, acorns and, 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 and different types of nuts. Yeah. That's all. Uh, but if you want to see those things or the pictures of our previous episodes, you can go to our Facebook group. You can also follow us on Twitter. You can email us at watchyourmouthpod at gmail.com. And what else? Tell people. Yeah. Tell if people. you can reach out, if you can Please. leave a review, that's oh, always great. very helpful. Um, thank you to Tony Gebhardt for our theme song. And I believe that's it for us today. I'm Milo. And I'm Dave. Stay curious and carry a hatchet. It's all right cry. Crying gets the sad out of you. It's all right cry. It might make you feel better. Raindrop from your eyes. Watching all the mad out of you. Raindrop from your eyes. It's gonna make you feel better.